0: So today, we remember and we honor a day that, uh, without a doubt, is the greatest event in human history. Sounds like a pretty bold statement, doesn't it? But if you think about it, if you think about the impact on the human soul, if you think about the fact that He is risen, The fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead is a powerful truth. And if one would only allow it to, this powerful truth will have a powerful effect on their daily life here on this earth. A powerful truth that will have a powerful effect on your life. And that is what I'm going to draw your attention to here today. If you profess to be a Christian, then the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the main event. And it should impact the way that we live our lives day after day. Our everyday lives, the way we live should be impacted by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to show you some scriptures today that are going to point out that fact. Okay? So if you have your Bible handy or you have a, your Bible on your phone, whatever it may be, go ahead and find the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and I'm going to start reading down in verse 20. Now, since we're doing a live stream here and you might have kids running around your home, other distractions and all that going on, I'm not going to give a whole lot of time for you to find these scriptures. I'm going to cut right to the chase to get to the point. So uh, if you have your Bibles, great. Follow along. If not, you can listen. But I'm in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and I'm reading in verse 20 where it says, but now Christ is risen from the dead. That's what we celebrate today. That's what we remember. And it says, and has become, speaking of Christ, it says, and He has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Now, the Word of God here through the Apostle Paul first states a fact, and that is, is that Christ is risen from the dead. But in addition to this, it states that He has become the first fruits of those who who have fallen asleep. Now that word first fruits. Now of course, if you don't know, when the Bible th- speaks of sleep here, falling asleep, those that have passed away, okay? Now the word first fruits though, there was a farming term. And it speaks of the first appearance of a grain of crop pops through, you know? And the Jew- the Jews that worshiped God back in the day, would on the day of first fruits, they would take the first sprout and they would go and they would wave it before the Lord God as an offering, right? Representing the fact that all of the future crop that they would soon grow would belong to Him as well. They would recognize the fact that what they had was from the Lord and because of the Lord. So this would take place about a month before the harvest or so right and here in verse 20 it is start it is stating that Jesus is the first risen from the dead to then go and return to the father okay he is the first fruits of god's harvest and god's harvest will be all the born-again Christians, those that have come to place their faith in Jesus Christ, okay? That's the harvest. You see, in this manner, right, all born-again, Spirit-led children of God who have become children of God through repentance and in faith in Jesus Christ, they too will also rise to eternally be with God. There's going to be that resurrection for us all, that time when we're all going to ever be with the Lord. Paul goes on in verse 21 here, For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection from the dead. So we understand this, right? Since by man sin entered the world and destroyed or our fellowship with God separated us from that that fellowship that, we, that man was meant to have with God in the beginning, right? So this scripture says, so also by man, by a man, Jesus Christ, who was God in the flesh, we know, right? By Jesus would come redemption that leads to resurrection, to eternal life, okay? Resurrection of the dead, right? Verse twenty-two. He goes on, for as in Adam all die. So he, what he's pointing out here, it was that it was Adam's sin in the garden that separated us. For for as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. See, we're all in this temporary body, and we're all going to die. It is appointed to man once to die, and afterwards the judgment, right? So, but in Christ we can all be made alive spiritually alive, right? The key then would be then to be in Christ. Without being in Christ, a person is dead because of the sin that they live in. Sin separates us from God, right? But the death of mankind, right, began with Adam and life came with Jesus Christ. Then verse 23 says, but each one in his own order. Christ the first fruits afterwards those who are christ at his coming okay so that's still a future event right jesus christ is coming again we've seen right over the last few weeks we we looked at palm sunday right jesus his, his triumphant en- entry into jerusalem he was going to go and he was going to die for the sin of the world we looked at good friday where he did indeed die on the cross for all of our sin, and now we celebrate and we remember the resurrection, but there's still one more thing yet to come, and that is the second coming of Jesus Christ. So when I read verse 23 again, it says, But each one in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterwards those who are Christ at his coming. So you see Paul's establishing an order here. But some may say here, well, what about all the people that died and came back to life before Christ and even after Christ? Like, for example, somebody maybe like um, Lazarus, right, who was dead. Jesus called him back forth, right? There are cases of this that we see in the Bible, right? But you see, the resurrection that Paul is speaking of here is not simply speaking of dying and coming back to life to live on the earth again. This is speaking of dying and then rising to a new body, a spiritual body, where we will ever be with the Lord. Okay. So let's think on that some more here. Jump down to verse 42. We're going to stay right here in the same chapter. Jump down to verse 42. And it says, so also is the resurrection of the dead. So that's our focal point. At the moment here, the resurrection of the dead. We're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but we're talking about the effects of the resurrection on us. What are we to do with it? How how should we be living in such, right? And we're going to get an explanation here on the resurrection of the dead. Um, Verse 42 continues and says, The body is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. So again, we're not talking about dying and then living again here on the earth or something like that. We are speaking about the body in this chapter here, the the dead body, right? What happens to our physical bodies, Right? I'm speaking of that person that has been born of the Spirit and they've lived this life led by the Spirit, faith in Jesus Christ. Right Upon that person's death, we know from Scripture that they are immediately absent from the body and they are present with the Lord. Their soul goes to be with the Lord, right? But what about the body that they leave behind, their ashes, right? What happens to it, right? Their their body that's in the grave. Verse 43 says, It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Now, of course, that is referring to Christ there when it says the last Adam. Remember, the apostle who wrote this, again, he was establishing an order here back in verse 23. And he brings it up again here in verse 26 or 46. He says, however, the spiritual is not first, but the natural and afterward, the spiritual, right? So as it pertains to this physical body, the body of a born-again Christian that has come to faith in Jesus Christ, Adam had, and you and I have here today, a natural body. And of course, so does the non-Christian, right? We have this body. We're all in this temporary body. However, Jesus, when He rose from the dead, He rose everlasting life, a spiritual body. It was still somewhat natural because when He rose from the dead, He had flesh and bones. After Jesus had risen from the dead, He appeared to His disciples and they were, of course, astonished and amazed and He had to assure them that He wasn't a spirit. And He said to them, Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I Myself. Handle me and see, Jesus said, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. And not only that, he was hungry and he asked them for food. So we know that Jesus did not rise as a spirit only, right? He rose with a body, but it was a spiritual body. And Jesus was the first fruit of that kind of body. So this body is going to be changed someday. We're going to be, it's going to be different when we're with the Lord, okay? The first, the first of the harvest that is yet to come, right, was Jesus. And, and, and so you're following me here, because again, we're going to talk about what effect the resurrection has on us now, this life that we now live, okay? We know that when we die, we, we're absent from the body and present with the Lord. Our body is sown in dishonor, but it's going to be raised again at the coming of Jesus Christ. And Paul continues speaking of these bodies in verse 47. He says, The first man was of the earth, made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As was the man of the dust, so also are those who are made of dust. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, Right, Adam, right? We were all we all look like that. God created the first man, formed him from the dust. We're all living in bodies very similar to that still, right? Just like that, right? We shall also bear the heavenly, the image of the heavenly man, though, the scripture says. Now, this I say, brethren, Paul goes on in verse 50, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. So you see, thanks be to God that none of us are going to go into the eternal kingdom of God, that heavenly Jerusalem. We're not going to go there with this body that we have today. Praise God for that, right? The the body in which we now indwell is not going to be the one that we will occupy for all of eternity. And the older I get, the more of a blessing that thought is and that truth is, right? If Christ does not return in our lifetimes, this body as we see it today will return to being dust. It will return to the dust. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Jesus, just like I quoted a minute ago, when He he rose from the dead, He encouraged His disciples to touch Him and said to Him that a spirit does not have flesh and bones, right? There was no indication that Jesus had blood, but He had flesh and bones, right? The the life of the flesh is in the blood, but our risen spiritual bodies won't need that life anymore that the blood provides because Jesus is a life-giving Spirit. And we will have eternal life with the Lord. We'll have that life abundantly, life eternal, you see. So we only know a little bit about all of this. We know in part, we only know a little bit about what is to come, what the scriptures tell us. So we're left to speculate on other things, but it's important that we stick to what the scriptures say, which is why I'm taking you to them this morning here, right? But we know that someday we will be with the Lord. Okay? We will have a body in the eternal kingdom of God. It will be a spiritual body and we will be like Jesus. Then as we move on here, verse 51, Paul slips something else in here. He says, behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. So the word of God is indicating here that there will be some that will be indwelling their bodies at the return of Christ. But one thing is for sure, whether our bodies are in the grave or we are still indwelling our bodies at the return of Jesus Christ, it is for sure that we will all be changed. Verse 51, there is a verse that is great to hang over a nursery right? And some churches do that, right? As it pertains to babies, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. (laughs) But as it pertains to you and I here this morning, we will obtain a spiritual body just as Christ, the first fruits of the harvest did. And verse 52 goes on and says, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible, it says, must put on incorruption and this mortal, see right now we're all corruptible, we're all mortal, we're going to die, these bodies fail, but this mortal must put on immortality, the scripture says. So, we're destined to die. Destined to return to the, to the dust unless Christ returns in our lifetime. But the body that Christ now has and we will have will be immortal. Eternally alive. Verse 54. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death Is swallowed up in victory. Oh death, where is your sting? Oh Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of this of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So this is the reason we honor and remember the resurrection of Christ. But we should do this not only today. But each and every day of the year that we live. If you profess faith in Jesus, right, we, we, we live in a manner that shows that He is risen. The way we conduct our lives, we're looking for that blessed hope, that appearing, that glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we need to be living like it. That's the effect the resurrection should have on us. Verse 58, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, it says, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So how about you and, and me today? Are we laboring in the Lord? Are we abounding in the work of the Lord? Are we steadfast in the Lord? Are we immovable in the Lord? What effect does the resurrection have on our lives today are we living like we're going to inherit the kingdom of god that is the eternal kingdom someday we know of his death and the reason for it it was for your sin for my sin the sin of the world that jesus died we know too that if jesus tarries long enough that we too shall die and be buried as he was We will be absent from the body and present with the Lord, but there is a judgment to come as well. This is appointed to all of mankind once to die and afterwards the judgment. It is not, however, appointed that mankind must be eternally separated from God. That's not what God desires for you and me. There is a way to be assured of eternal life with the Lord God. This we know from the pages of scriptures as well, right? A person must again repent of their sin and, and come to a place where they walk the rest of their lives by faith in Jesus Christ, setting aside the sin and fixing their eyes on Jesus. Remember the thief on the cross, right? He acknowledged Jesus as Lord. And on that day, he entered paradise with Jesus. His body was left behind, right? But he was absent from the body and present with the Lord. And this shall be the case for all of those that live this life all the way till the end by faith in Jesus Christ and led by His Spirit. But the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the reason that we have this eternal hope. Let's look back earlier in this chapter again. Look back with me uh, at verse 12. It says, Now if Christ is preached that He has been raised from the dead, right? which is essentially what I'm doing. I'm preaching to you, telling you Jesus has been risen from the dead. He says, how do some among you say there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Now that's pretty powerful right there, isn't it? If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, you are wasting about 35 to 40 minutes of your life right now listening to me speak and point you toward the Scriptures about the fact that Jesus has been risen from the dead. Because this whole teaching would be totally in vain if not for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Verse 15, Paul goes on, Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that He raised up Christ, whom He did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. So Paul's kind of speaking facetiously there, right? And he goes on, For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Think about that. Still in our sins, if He did not rise from the dead. Verse 18, Then also those who have fallen asleep, or those that have died, right, in Christ have perished, it says. If in this life only we have hope in Christ... We are of all men the most piti- pitiable. You see, yes, it's true that the death of Jesus satisfied the wrath of the Father for our sins. But the resurrection of Jesus gives us the hope of eternal life with the Father. So it's just not, it's not all about the here and now. And it gives us the ability to be spirit-filled people today. People that are led by the Spirit of God, yielding to the work of the Spirit in us and through us, right? All because of our Lord. He is a life-given Spirit. He is alive. And He's with us today. And He wants to be with you today. You see, the resurrection of Jesus Christ has everything to do with an eternal life. But if we are looking for hope, if we are looking for good things in this life only, then we are going to find out that we are pretty pitiful if if it's all about this life. Look at at life around us now. If one thing we can learn right now in this present day and age, things fall apart. Things can crumble quickly. Everything you trust in, everything you hope in in this world can be gone quickly. And this might be a good time to look at what's going on around you and to examine, where am I? Where am I? As it pertains to God, okay? Again, though, Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection harvest. As it was for Him, so it will be for all of those that are in Him. Right? The best is yet to come. In Christ, you are not in your sins any longer. So therefore, anyone that is in Christ does not continue to willfully walk in sin. And we talked about that in the Good Friday teaching. Remember, when we are in Christ, we are then to live a life that is steadfast. We read, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, because our labor in the Lord is not in vain, right? But there is labor in the Lord. Your works do matter. There is an end result to it and the end result is eternal life. And all of this is because of Jesus, the first fruit of the resurrection. You see, you and I must realize today and every day that there is a power to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If Jesus Christ is not risen from the dead, if he's not alive in bodily form and seated at the right hand of the majesty on high, then he has no power today. Right. He's just dead. His words might could have some influence on your life, but he himself would have no power in our lives today. Right. But this is not the case because Jesus is alive and as born again, walking by faith believers, we can have a relationship today with the living God the God who became flesh and dwelt among us, a Savior whom we can know, a Savior who fills us with the power of His Holy Spirit, right? And makes us brand new. And by His Spirit, He transforms us into His likeness. I want to turn; have you turn to Philippians chapter 3. I want to show you the Apostle Paul's desires here. Okay, what He desired. Remember, when we read the Word of God, and I point you to the Word of God like this, this is written for us today. This is written for us today. These were letters, like Paul wrote this letter to the Philippians, the people in the, the believers in Jesus that were in the city of Philippi. But this is written for us today, though. Okay, So in Philippians chapter 3, Uh, Verse 8, he says, Yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ. Okay? Now pause right there. I have to ask myself periodically, does what Paul, what Paul says here in this verse, does it really pertain to the way that I live? In other words, am I all about Christ, like Paul speaks of here? Right? Are, are you all about Christ, you who profess faith in Him? Are we willing to give up all that we have, all that we are, to gain Who Christ is, to gain all that Christ is. Verse 9, he says, And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him. And the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being conformed to His death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Doesn't it sound like Paul thought we had to stay the course of faith here? Didn't he also say that we had to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord we read earlier? This is how we must live This life in order to attain to the resurrection from the dead. We must fight the fight. We must continue in the faith. The living God indwells us by His Spirit. I want you to look at yet another scripture with me here. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. we're going to look at verse 11, Romans 8, 11. It says, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies, right? These bodies that we're in through his spirit who indwells you. Let me read that verse again. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. You see, we can have resurrection power in our lives today. But here's the key. Let's read on verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. Okay, now pause quickly right there because this is the opposite of resurrection power. When we live according to the flesh, we are not experiencing the power of the resurrection. Let me repeat that. When we live according to the flesh, we are not experiencing the power of the resurrection. Verse 13, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death, To death, the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So again, the resurrection power that Paul wanted to know, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in the born-again believer today. But we must put to death the deeds of the body. What we do, how we live, does matter. We're seeing this right here in the pages of the Bible, aren't we? Okay, so we've seen today that there will be a bodily resurrection from the dead someday, right? Our mortal bodies will indeed put on immortality. But we've also seen today that if we put to death the deeds of the body now, and if we are led by the Spirit, we can know today the power of the resurrection In the here and now while we're in these mortal bodies we can know this power so again I didn't go over the resurrection story with you here this morning that is I didn't take you to the story found in the Gospels instead I've given you a very brief look at the effects of the resurrection on our lives and how it changes us and how we should be living you see, it will be a glorious day when we are finally with Him for all, uh, all eternity. Whether we die or whether we are raptured on the last day that Paul spoke of, right? But there is an abundant life that we can have in Christ today. And this comes through knowing the power of His resurrection in our everyday lives. There's a power to the resurrection. It just doesn't have to be one Sunday a year where we gather or do things like this and, and that's, all, that's all there is to it. No, it's an everyday thing, the power of the resurrection. It was the apostles Paul, it was the Apostle Paul's desire to know this kind of life. And he was willing to forsake all else in order just to know, he said, the power of the resurrection. And that is what you and I should be desiring as well. We should be seeking after the same thing in our daily lives, the power of the resurrection. Christ, the first fruits, He has risen. He's gone before us. He has shown us the way. He has left us His word. We must now remain in Him. We must now walk in Him daily, led by the Spirit, knowing the power of the resurrection. So what effect has the resurrection of Jesus Christ had on your life? Is it just about the story that we read? Because the story is truth, of course. He's risen from the dead. But what impact does it have on you? What impact does it have on me? What is the effect of the resurrection? You can know Jesus. You can know his power in your life. But you've got to give your all to him. Surrender your heart to him. And you can do so today. Today would be a wonderful day if you've never come to Christ. If you've never had this experience in your life of what we're seeing in the pages of the scripture, knowing this resurrection power, today can be that day. It can be a day maybe where a stone is rolled away. Maybe there's a stone over your heart that has hardened your heart, and it needs to be rolled away, and you need to let the resurrection power of Christ into your life. You can do that. You can do that just by making a decision in your own heart today and falling before the Lord and giving your life to Him and serving Him. Thanks for watching. If you're interested, you can find more of our teachings by going to our webpage, www.aloveoutreach.com and uh, you can find us on SoundCloud by searching A Love Outreach, iTunes. And, of course, here you can subscribe to us on YouTube if you'd like. But God bless. Let's go ahead and close in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord God, thank you again for your spirit, Lord. Thank you for your love, God, that you so love the world that you gave your only begotten Son, that whomsoever would believe on him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. Thank you for the life that you give, Jesus. It is an abundant life. It is a a life of internal hope. No matter the chaos going on around us, no matter what we see things that are able to be shaken and, and able to crumble and fall all around us, but you remain our rock, our fortress, our strength, our hope. God, I pray that all of us, Lord, today would consider where we are, as it pertains to you and the truth of who you are, God, that we would look deep within our own hearts, Lord, and that we would, I pray that people will turn to your word, Lord, that people will turn to the Bible during this time, the living word, because it is is indeed living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart, and I pray, God, that people will turn unto you, the living word, Jesus. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this opportunity. this time to be together here to look at your word, Lord. It's just a brief time, but we, but we still have our Bibles, and we can pick them up every day of the week and read them, Lord. So we thank you for that, that you have not left us comfortless. You have not left us alone. You've given us your spirit. You've given us your word. God, we thank you and praise you again for this day. In Jesus' name, amen.